0: Hello there, you festive foragers! It's Chappie, your darling, darling, delicious British butler, and it's another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's episode 144. We're hitting 144 today. I'm nicely spruced in a boost. I've uh, performed all my morning absolutions, and I'm as clean as a whistle. Um, luckily, I, I luckily I took a very long bath this morning. Uh, I was uh, basically lolloping around like a hippopotamus uh, and then there was an absolute racket dogs barking in here somebody's trying to uh, get my attention and it was Travis the uh, the odd jobs man uh, the uh, the maintenance chap uh, was banging on the door and basically I cannot use the water for the rest of the day so I have no water well I do have a I do have a, a glugon of water here ready to go but uh, no other water can be used. And very lucky that I decided to have my uh, twice-weekly bath, because uh, if not, I could have been all sorts of dirty. I mean, I was turning back into a Neanderthal man. I was so dirty and grimy. But now I'm beautifully clean. I'm clean-shaven. Not all over. Just, just a beard. And the moustache. I don't want any... uh, You know, I want a very clean, smooth face. That's what I like to bring to you. Keep coming, Cauliflower Cheese Listener. When everybody else is hessute and bearded uh, with man buns and ponytails and uh, out unkempt beards, I want to be the smoothest podcast host in the world. And I think I I do manage to keep up that reputation. Uh, But I can't... Luckily, I had the bath. I did... Maybe I should should have filled up the bath so I have water just in case I'm I'm stranded for days and days darlings um <laughs> I mean it makes me think this is my this is probably my idea of the whole 14 peaks uh Netflix drama a uh, Netflix documentary where there is a very lovely young Nepalese man his name is Nirmal uh, Persia and He originally from uh, Nepal, uh, but then I believe he's now, I think, a British citizen. He joined the British Army uh, as uh, special forces, and he is like the fittest man uh, in the world. And one of the fittest men in the world. And he, basically, it's 14 peaks, nothing is impossible. It's climbing at a breakneck speed, and he is trying to climb the 14 highest peaks in the world in seven months. So this is across Nepal, India, Pakistan, and also in China as well. And I'm not gonna give away the whole story here, but it's absolutely fascinating documentary. And he's a very, very charismatic speaker. I think he uh, he sort of crowdfunded the whole, uh, the whole project and it's Project Possible, that's what it's called. I would follow him on Instagram. I would follow him absolutely everywhere. And there's a wonderful picture where he's coming back down from Mount Everest. I think this was the fourth peak that he had scaled within like a month. Mount Everest, for God's sake. And it's him coming down the mountain and he's looking back up. And there is a line, it's like the line that you used to get when you were queuing up for the iPhone in 2007. That's how many people uh, from the one of the base camps to the summit and he took this picture it's a wonderful picture I'd look it up I'd follow him on Instagram definitely uh, Nepalese Mountaineer near Malpuja and the Netflix show is called 14 Peaks now this is my 14 Peaks going without water for an entire day uh, and probably you know not, not being able to have a, a bath or be able to you know scrub the undercarriage or anything like that I mean, this is, this is quite, quite a tough challenge. Almost, dare I say, it's cleaning the Elysian fields. It could be a Herculean challenge. But the, that, this is my, like, 14 peaks here. I mean, maybe not going with any lint balls for a week. That could be another challenge. But this gentleman, anyway, his scaling of the 14 peaks in seven months uh, is an absolute wonder. I mean, being able to survive at that altitude um, you know, on oxygen, but constantly for about seven months, scaling one peak after another is a phenomenal challenge. I highly recommend watching the show. Very, very good indeed. So here we are again. Um, and as I said, you, you know, if you, if you can virtually smell, I smell so beautifully clean today. I smell as clean as indeed a whistle. And um, happy to be here again for the Saturday edition of uh, Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. I'm sure everybody's out hustle and bustling about trying to get some Christmas presents. Good on you if you're ahead of the date game on the Christmas present front. Uh, I'm severely behind on the game, but uh, trying to trying to catch up slowly, but indeed surely. Uh, but this is, uh, we've got a, a very fun sort of packed show today for you. Lots of, uh, lots of the usual fun and frolics and um, really trying to get you into that festive Christmassy mood that's so important this time of year, where you can sort of relax, lay back and enjoy this wondrous season that is Christmas. Maybe even bite the end off one of those wonderful chocolate liqueurs. Oh God, like how I could do with a chocolate contra right now. I think all those people who have made their gravy early or their cranberry sauce or whatever they're having, because this is one of the strangest things I've found. Like uh, the the Americans have their turkey, their turkey quota at Thanksgiving, and a lot of them do not want a turkey at Christmas. Whereas in the UK, we traditionally have turkey goose or something along those lines at Christmas. A lot of people, you know, do the beef. I was thinking this morning, should I try an attempt to make a beef Wellington this Christmas. It's, it's been on my list, it's been on my bucket list. We talk about the 14 peaks. I think the four, one of the 14 culinary peaks is making a souffle that doesn't go flat. And one of the other ones is probably making a, a beef Wellington. It seems like incredibly difficult because you've got different elements of the dish cooking at different, I mean, we're all cooking at the same temperature, but we cook at different speeds, a pastry, Uh, if you do like some sort of mushroom pate around the beef and then obviously the beef you don't want the beef to overcook you don't want it to be undercooked either so i imagine that could be uh, quite challenging thinking about that possibly uh for christmas and uh you know i am i'm always worried you it has, has been brought up recently about my uh, my structural challenges with my dishes, my my structural weakness in my white chocolate bread pudding. So I don't want any sort of structural weakness when it comes to uh, making a, a beef Wellington or something along those lines. So today on the podcast, we do have some rubbish poker. I know I promised it yesterday. We do have some rubbish poker. We're having a little bit of a break from trample trombone uh, for this week, anyway. Uh, we're going to have usual nonsense stories, uh, either from around the world or uh, my, own, uh, my own life that seems to bring up in a sort of very Seinfeld, Larry David type of way, uh, unusual sort of situations and circumstances that I'm putting myself into. Uh, like, you know, any minute now I could, uh, I could have a, a flood, a tsunami flood coming in here uh, because somebody's blocked the toilet or something along those lines here. Um, that's another thing as well I mean I don't know if you've been in that situation where you've had your water turned off and you, you basically use the bathroom throughout the day and you don't know when the water is going to be turned on and and you've got stuff festering now I do not want that festering situation so I'm sort of basically gonna tie a knot in it if possible until uh, until later later on today we'll see if that works but again you the chap of a certain age uh, you, might, uh, you, you might be in the situation where uh, you may need to go behind a bush, but New Tappy Towers is, uh, is sort of bush free, uh, which, is, uh, which is interesting. So I'm going to have to go out into the wilds on one of my dog walks and, uh, and find, a, find a, a bush to relieve myself uh, behind, so to speak but we do have uh we do have rubbish poker as i mentioned i'm going to give to you i know a lot of you are playing the whamageddon uh, type of uh, game at the moment so if you hear wham i mentioned this yesterday the rules if you hear wham between the 1st of december and midnight december 24th then you basically lose the game so i do not want to inflict anybody i don't, I don't want to make anybody lose the whamageddon argument amongst friends and family so i'm I, I played george michael last week the the christmas pudding mix and i'm sure at some point i will be playing wham uh, again that very long delicious christmas pudding mix that i absolutely love it's one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, mixes of any tune um but i am going to be playing the game with you this week and between now and christmas last christmas i gave you another cover song. So we're going to be playing covers of Last Christmas. It doesn't count in the Wamageddon Wham- Stakes, so you will not lose the game. But we'll be playing covers of Last Christmas on the Musical Emporium Butler edition of the podcast on Spotify between now and Christmas. And we have our first contestant and we're going to be giving it a rating. So you'll find out later what, what I'm going to give rating-wise to this. It uh, could be quite abysmal uh, Last Christmas cover. Uh, also... Have you ever done virtual cho- chocolate tasting? I have. In my little office, uh, office party situation, virtual chocolate tasting. We'll be talking about that uh, later as well. Uh, how I'm getting my uh, girlfriend's name and her dog confused. Um, yes, that's not a very good situation as well. We never talked about Shanks Pony as well. Uh, also parsnips popping up in dishes as well have parsnips popped up in your life and your dishes recently uh also the wonders i'm going to give you some proper breathing techniques how to breathe properly and uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of help this christmas season i know it gets very very stressful and you need to sometimes be able to take a deep breath here um also uh, as i said travis has already made a, a visit to the to New Chappie Towers this morning, uh, but he did make a visit the other day, and I'll be talking about his visit uh, that, uh, that that happened earlier earlier in the week as well. So we have a pretty packed show uh, as we uh, as we always do. Also, uh, just wondering, anybody out there to help my dear old dad? I mean, they're having awful issues with the uh, with the flooding situation at the moment. But has anybody know? Does anybody know of out there? where i can find giant white celery seeds i wanted a little bit of a stocking stuffer for father giant white celery seeds drop us a line send a postcard to new Tappy towers and hopefully you can uh, help me with my christmas present dilemma i want to introduce to you the world listener the wonders of hp sauce i'm sure i've talked about it on the podcast before hp sauce is basically what people call brown sauce in the UK. The main ingredients of the sauce, and there's like secret ingredients to it, are tomatoes and tamarind extract. The sauce was originally produced in the United Kingdom, but made now by Heinz in the Netherlands, and it's named after London's Houses of Parliament, House of Parliament sauce. It's become an icon of British culture, British culture. And it was the best brand of brown sauce in the UK of the of the market buys brown sauce so includes uh malt vinegar spirits molasses uh, tamarind as i said uh, dates uh, flour salt rye so absolutely delicious i mean the original recipe was invented and developed by david ho of bottesford who'd been making sauces since 1854 to complement locally made pork pies oh for a pork pie at christmas This business later evolved into David Ho and Sons and Ho Brothers sauce manufacturers. Ho Sauces were uh, patroned by the Prince of Wales. The recipe was sold to Frederick Gibson Garton, a grocer from Nottingham who registered the name H.P. Sauce in 1895. For many years, the bottles have carried a picture of the Houses of Parliament in the uh, United Kingdom HP Sauce became known as Wilson's Gravy in the 60s and 70s after the wife of the Prime Minister Harold Wilson gave an interview if it's Harold's fault uh, he'll drown everything in HP Sauce so HP Sauce indeed makes everything better but so I saw this the other day I was very very excited when I was on the uh, Walmart app and I saw I could buy HP Sauce thought I just wonder what the ratings would be here and this, ja- this chap said I ordered two bottles of HP Original Sauce, $10 a bottle. I mean, that's very expensive. Um, they both expired. These are big bottles, though. On January the 9th, 2021. Needless to stay, I was appalled by it. But here's the thing. How dare you? Anonymous purchaser. Didn't leave his name. But he called this Short Shelf Life Steak Sauce. HP Sauce, my boy, is not short life steak sauce it is not a steak sauce i was absolutely appalled i've been i've been you know what i've needed extra cups of tea that i've been so so annoyed and upset and in a dither after i read this and it must be an american boy he described it as short shelf life steak sauce it is so much more than that it is the emperor of the sauce It is the epitome of delightful vinegary, that little bit of a tang to it. You have it with chips, have it with a full English breakfast, which I didn't have it this morning, that's why I was thinking about it. So I I said, I need some HP sauce in. But how dare you? It's never a short shelf life steak sauce. I will challenge you to a duel, sir can a christmas sweater or jumper ever be stylish yes here is how and remember jumper in the uk is sweater it's not like you're not walking around like a big baby or something like that and in a a baby grow all in one sort of effort no 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 jumper is a sweater always call it a jumper though so but jane mcfarland in the london times thinks you can and this is what she says. However, I think I'm on my own. According to Google Trends, searches for Christmas jumpers skyrocketed 136% in early November when John Lewis at the department store released its Christmas advert in which a boy gives one to an alien girl. I mean, I, if you're ever thinking about possibly... I mean, when we had Bruce Willis and uh, the Armageddon movie and the aliens were coming down, the aliens were going to invade... Um, and also, uh, also Independence Day. What am I talking about? <laughs> Armageddon's the asteroid. Oh, come on, chappy. Armageddon's the asteroid, and uh, Independence Day's the aliens. Who knows? The aliens could have been controlling the asteroid that would that Bruce Willis blew up with a nuclear bomb. Who knows? Anyway, in Independence Day, if Jeff Goldblum had given the aliens a Christmas sweater. I think it would push them back into, the, uh, into, another, into another galaxy. I don't think they would ever have come and frequented our galaxy ever again. They'd have gone past the Milky Way. They would not stop Go. They would not have collected 200 alien Coronas. They would not have done it. They would have gone away forever if you're giving them a Christmas sweater. But anyway, that was the John Lewis advert. Somebody gave an alien a Christmas sweater. Anyway, this level of excitement is unprecedented for the Christmas sweater. In fact, it's three times the normally recorded during this period. Said sweater at John Lewis sold out within hours of the advert airing, but the retailer has plenty of other options. Uh, they have Icelandic style sweaters. I do like a fisherman's Icelandic sweater, I have to say. Mango, burr, Hobbs, uh, more cottage core. Now, what's a cottage core? That sounds like a, uh, a local rural sort of pornography film. Cottagecore. And uh, Christmas can be worn out uh, before, during, and after the festive period. This is what Jane's saying. So London label Meadows does a roaring trade in mood-boosting folksy knitwear. That's what I need to start my Saturday. Some mood-boosting folksy knitwear. Colourful sweaters would look great worn over a prairie dress. Now, I must, try, I must try wearing a Christmas sweater over a prairie dress and some long cowboy boots, boy. Um, I mean, you could do that Christmas Day. You could maybe do it on Boxing Day. I love a good cardigan and feel like I get more bang for my buck if they could be styled over everything. The Snow White cardigan uh, by Other Stories is timeless. I always plump for a wintry rather than festive palette. Yes, I think yeah, white at Christmas is a is a delicious a delicious colour to be wearing, and it can basically go anyway. I mean, the trouble is, I do a little bit better with off white, just in case I have some mince meat pie drip down my chin onto the sweater, and you can never get, you're gonna get never get anything brandy based out of a wool sweater, never, never, I tell you. Anyway, for something more literal, a Les Bar Humbug, head to M&S, there's an Marks and Spencers london store highly recommend going and having a look at it but nothing says to uh one wear only quite like a NAF christmas jumper so if you're really craving a reindeer moment consider your local charity shop for a vintage classic so these these sweaters these are like the sweaters i wear all year round basically there's a sort of um Argylly type of uh, look to some of them uh a little bit of 1970s style. I think the 1970s Christmas sweater is a bit better than Rudolph's big old honking nose or a, a big fat Santa Claus showing his bottom crack on them. Yeah, you don't want that. And the flashing lights. I always wonder that if you've had one too many uh, mulled wines, can you electrocute yourself on a on a on a uh, on a Christmas sweater that lights up? That's always a, that's always a worry for me. People are trying very hard at the moment with. Uh, Christmas parties and Christmas get-togethers where hundreds of people get together and snog under the mistletoe, they're being cancelled this year. People are trying very hard to think of virtual ways of, uh, of celebrating together, team bonding, everything else. Well, now, I think we're all past the happy hour at the end of the day over Zoom, where you know everybody thinks you're drinking a cup of tea, but you've got half a mug of scotch. Yeah, we're all over that. But... Something that I saw the other day that was very, very interesting, but I I certainly wouldn't call it team bonding, is there are companies out there that are doing uh, virtual wine tasting, spirits tasting, but also something a little bit alcohol-free, chocolate tasting, unless you're doing the uh, seasonal liqueurs that I mentioned earlier. But basically, these companies send out the chocolates, and uh, it really gives you almost like a farm-to-table overview of uh, chocolate tasting from the beans uh, to everything that goes into it, the uh, nubs if, that, if that's what you call it, I mean the little chocolate nubs that go into it nibs, nibs, it's chocolate nibs, not nibs, not a chocolate nipple. You have to go to a specialist store to get chocolate nipples, I mean, white, dark chocolate nipples, I mean whatever you really want, whatever floats your boat. Um, but anyway, so this is sent to you. And then the hosts get on the Zoom and they basically explain uh, chocolate tasting and and, and, and and how chocolate gets uh, to you, the end user, from the farming to being lovely, pretty boxed up with a lovely bow around it. Anyway, so the chocolate tasting is rather delicious. But the thing is, it's not team bonding. Because you've basically got people eating huge ball truffles of chocolate. And everybody knows my my favourite truffle, uh, chocolate truffle, is indeed the Lind. I mean, I, can, I just, I mean, I can ravishingly uh, consume a box of that within no time. But if you've got people just mmm mmm oh mmm oh mmm mm, ah mmm ah mmm mmm mm, all oh, that tastes show mmm, mm, it's it's basically like a nineteen seventies blue movie you got all these umming and ahhing. That's not team bonding. That's team slobbering over your telephone because you're consuming so much chocolate and have so much saliva going around your mouth. I mean, I have to say, I think it was an absolute winner. You don't have to have the awkward conversations or what you're doing for Christmas or give your co-workers a little bit too much information about your personal lives. You're just eating chocolate and you're humming and ahhing and, you know, exaltation and pleasure and joy and going through a chocolate food foodgasm, that's absolutely perfect. I think we've got a winner, a virtual chocolate tasting where you're just sitting in front of your colleagues, you know, trying to eat the chocolate a little bit more like like a pig at a trough. It's the perfect Christmas party for anybody virtually. How magic mushrooms therapy helped a marriage and ease depression suzanne duckett and her husband tried using psilocybin, found in mushrooms to reboot their marriage uh, so this is a lovely article by emily Sargent that i read in the week where a couple tried the magic mushrooms and uh, these are some of the results that they they basically had here so i mean they, i think they tried it maybe five times and uh, this is on the fifth time they're trying it. This is what they were saying here. Um, despite this, on the fifth and most recent time that I took mushrooms, I was hesitant, even though I was taking them to help with a low mood and I was in a particularly dark place at several points in my life experience uh, that I, when I, I haven't wanted to be alive and no matter what I did, the thought remains a thin black thread that runs quietly through me. Over the past year, I've been increasingly aware that the shadow is in my periphery again. The experience that followed definitely wasn't fun, but I think it perhaps integrated some of the things I've been working through in therapy over a number of years. Immediately, I had the sensation of being struck down by a total saturating sadness that every cell in my body was full of it. I cried a lot, my whole body was shaking. I closed my eyes and saw frightening images. And while probably is a little like trying to explain how fantastic your dull-sounding dream was the night before, it really put me uh, into some sort of place. My understanding of mushrooms is that they can help me feel certain things about my history, relationships, fears, self, rather than just knowing them intellectually. Each time I have an experience, a strange alternate perspective on my life, as though I'm watching a play and can make objectives observations studies of the brain on mushrooms suggest that they allow users to alter the course of their neural pathways unexpected statements bubble up for me for example they needed to see myself as at home rather than looking for it in a physical place there's often a sense of peace resolution and sometimes a noticeable shift as you let something go over my lifetime i've tried many things to ease melancholy alcohol antidepressants and in my younger days, other drugs. But all of these left me were respectively isolation, disassociation, and an almighty come down after the initial pain relief. What mushrooms gave me is a sense that I'm moving closer to knowing myself rather than shutting down different feelings. They aren't the answer to everything and would not replace therapy, but they certainly uh, helped me to find insight and acceptance around painful parts of my life and at times something closer to happiness. And that's what it is. A lot of people are feeling that uh, mushrooms should be legalized to take more regularly because they have helped many people come out of depression. And that is the magic behind them. I don't know if you ever suffer from this. It's a little of an old people syndrome where you go through like five names before you actually get the right person's name. Especially if you have, if there's a lot of uh, ladies in your life daughters, sisters, all of that. You go through like a bunch of names before you actually get the right one. But the worst one happened the other day. Luckily, I wasn't with her. But I I started calling uh, my lovely, delightful girlfriend Zelda. Yeah, I called her Zelda, the name of her dog. So I, I think you're getting into a real pick-a-lily when you start calling your beloved uh, her dog's name. I mean, and it takes me back, I, I did have a landlady uh, when I was at university called, uh, called Zelda. And uh, archetypal uh, blue rinse landlady, uh, pretty strict. There were no sort of, uh, you can have no after hour pub crawls and rumbling in at like two in the morning. And she had a very, very strict Scottish boyfriend. So I do like the name Zelda, but it always takes me back to my rather, rather strict uh, landlady and uh you know you, curfew is probably like eight o'clock you can never sneak a lady home that could be absolute disaster you'd be there would be a uh, uh, plum porridge for you in the morning or probably porridge with brussels sprouts and it's something along those lines uh but yes don't do not start you know, if you're getting those uh, more senior moments as you get old and you're going through names i wouldn't call your beloved uh, the dog's name yeah probably probably not a good thing it gets a little bit more confusing when you have human names of dogs like i do with maggie and george uh, but uh, yeah zelda's a whole different matter i want to introduce to you a phrase that i heard the other day my, my dear mother said this and she said shank's pony walk short distances leave a r- room for those who have longer journeys so i i'd never even heard of this before so i love it when i hear a new phrase i love Uh, word association looking at the sort of etymology of words all of this fascinating so the phrase shanks pony or mare means one's own legs or means of conveyance it's probably a pun on a surname shanks with uh, shanks meaning one's own legs this phrase seems to be of scottish origin It was first recorded in the tea table miscellany or the complete collection of scots sangs published in 17 29 by the Scottish poet playwright Alan Ramsey and the song titled "Scolmfoo Nancy, where I until the day he died, he rad on good old Shanks Naggy. So basically uh, a collection of old ballads published in 1738, the phrase must have common usage before that date. It was originally Scottish, so it's recorded in the form of Shanks Nag, in the election a poem by scottish uh, poet william uh, robert ferguson uh, but also a uh, galloway a small but strong breed of horse peculiar to galloway a noddy a two-wheeled light hackney carriage that was used in ireland and scotland uh, but you had the shanks galloway shanks mare shanks pony shanks nag a man is said to go on one of these animals uh, and it, so instead of going on the horse you're actually going on foot so shanks pony is basically using your old legs, your old pegs, to, uh, t- to take your journey, rather than uh, taking some sort of transportation, whether it be a horse and cart, Rolls Royce, uh, or maybe a motorised uh, Uber scooter or something along those lines. So, anyway, highly recommend you get uh, 10,000 steps in on the old Shanks pony. I wonder if you ha- added a parsnip to any of your dishes recently, Love a roasted parsnip, love a honeyed parsnip. Um, But I tried something the other day, which is a little bit odd, making a shepherd's pie. So I've been sort of put off shepherd's pie over the years. I think I got food poisoning from it once. And funnily enough, there was an article in the uh, paper this week where a gentleman uh, undercooked a shepherd's pie and gave it food poisoning. So reliving that doesn't help uh, one enjoy the delight that is shepherd's pie. But I've recently decided and I've re-evaluated and uh, evolved a new type of mashed potato. Firstly, they're not lumpy. Secondly, though, uh, once, once they're sort of mashed up to begin with, uh, you need to get some heavy whipping cream and butter, but put it in the microwave. Let the butter melt and the, the cream warm up. You do not want to be putting cold butter and cold milk in two. The mashed potato—that's the key. I think I mentioned this the other week. So that's really uh, reformed and re-energized my whole mashed potato technique. So I thought I'd give it another try with my new delightful, whippy, creamy mashed potato. That's absolutely delightful. All the all the uh, all the flavors are concocting deliciously to one another. Then, you know, I started uh, started making the uh, the minced beef, onions, whatever. But I, I added in a parsnip. And you know, I think a, a parsnip is like uh, almost like the parson's nose on a turkey. It's an unexpected surprise. So as the as the turkey parson's nose is an unexpected surprise, so is the parsnip appearing from the gravy-like juice of the uh, of the shepherd's pie, and it adds a little bit of that a little bit of sweetness in the parsnip. is absolutely delicious. I highly recommend adding a parsnip to your shepherd's pie this winter uh, amazing and then dash a hot sauce when you eat the shepherd's pie absolutely fantastic chappy. okay so welcome along to our weekly game of rubbish poker where i like to go through the skip not literally i mean i do it with my eyes i don't get my hand bare hands in there and start pulling out rubbish or trash no i don't do that But I do like to uh, have a look to see what is in the skip, in the rubbish dump around Chappie Towers. Because there's some absolutely fascinating things. And we equate it to a game of poker. poker. You have your front hand, you have your back hand. Will it be a royal flush? Will he be beaten heavily again? Or will he pull out a joker? Anyway, so this week we have the contestant, the card contestant anyway, in our virtual game of rubbish poker. We have, this is what I saw. This is Monday morning. And this is the best place for this item, I think. We had a can of cranberry sauce with no apparent fruit within it. It was just pure jelly. Pure jelly, cranberry sauce, unopened, right by the rubbish skip. And I think that's the best place for a can of the aforementioned cranberry sauce. So our front hand in the game of poker this week Very seasonal, very festive, a can of cranberry sauce. I mean, it makes you wonder, how can cranberry sauce even be in a can? You need to make it fresh. Get those cranberries a-bursting. Yes, but if you thought the the cranberry sauce, the canned cranberry sauce, was the winner-winner chicken dinner this week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, you're so wrong. We have our little backhand. This would be an absolute royal flush if this was in your hand of poker. So... Our winner, our winning card in our rubbish poker this week is a punctured inflatable Christmas flamingo. Yes, it's partly inflated actually. Uh, The beak was still inflated but alas the body was as flat as a pancake. But we have a Christmas deflated, uh, originally inflated christmas inflatable flamingo and is our prize winner today we have our lovely very british problems uh, with so we have very british problems from the very british problem website uh, also on twitter very british problems with christmas markets number one number one in our very british problem with christmas markets we have weighing up weighing up whether you really need another small wooden stack for 12 pounds before deciding that yes you definitely do. Number two, regretting your decision to buy a giant pretzel as your body hits medical intervention levels of dehydration. Number three, trying to prevent your toddler from seeing a beardless Father Christmas having a smoke behind a pizza van. Number four, wondering how an attraction comprising in full two small stalls and a face painting tent has the gall to call itself Wonderland. 5 spending 20 pounds attempting to win your daughter a 1 pound teddy bear that she almost doesn't certainly need and it doesn't pass fire safety regulations. Number 6 being determined to wear your big coat, Christmas jumper and bobble hat despite it being warm enough to grow cucumbers. Number 7 passing too close to an artisan condiment stand so you have to pretend to be fascinated by your chili jam's origin story. Number eight, shall we get mulled wine? Translation, the only reason I'm here is the chance of mulled wine. Number nine, saying, right, shall we go? And receiving the disappointing response, no. And then number 10, and finally, uh, taking this completely free, entirely non-compulsory event to task on social media when you get home. If you're partaking, as I said at the top of the show, in Wamageddon where you're not gonna be, hopefully not hearing, Wham's Last Christmas, between now in Christmas Eve, the end of Christmas Eve, then I have the game for you. If you still want to hear the variety of Wham uh, or, the, or the versions of Last Christmas without having Wham as the artist, then this is the show indeed for you. So I'm going to introduce to you this week on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese with your delightful festive elf himself, Chappie. I'm going to give you our little game between now and Christmas. Last Christmas, I gave you another cover song of Last Christmas. So we're going to be playing cover songs of Last Christmas to avoid falling foul to the rules of the Whamageddon competition. And we're going to be playing many, many different versions of Last Christmas. Some of them good, some of them bad, and some of them festively ugly. And we're going to be rating on the Ho 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 meter. Are we going to get one hoe, two hoes or three hoes or maybe even four hoes or a whole Christmas market full of hoes? That's what we're going to be seeing. We're going to be challenging uh, the covers. None of them are going to be as good as the original. I promise you that. But first up this week, we have the, I guess, the Chanteur of the time, not Adele, but probably second in the Chanteur's level at the moment. We have Tay-Tay. So if you're listening to the Butler Emporium edition of the podcast where there's musical uh, interruptions, or they would say probably uh, dulling out the chappy noise by adding music, then you can listen to this feature. But we have Taylor Swift's version of Last Christmas on the musical Butler Emporium edition of Spotify. If you listen to that, I'd give it a listen. There's some decent songs on there. And some uh, chappy originals, so to speak, if you like like that sort of thing. Stuff you probably would never have heard. So afterwards, we're going to weigh this up on the ho-ho-ho meter. But it's Taylor Swift and her version of Last Christmas. Taylor Swift's Last Christmas version right there. Quite a country fight. So it must have been an early Taylor, I would say. Early Tay-Tay uh on the uh on the uh, in terms of making her own records i don't know i don't think she's re-recorded it so to speak so uh, all this money you're playing if you're listening to on the spotify music butler porium edition is probably going to the guy who stole all her music so uh, maybe not a good thing so maybe i just play it one time and you'll just be fine um but anyway so we give a taylor swift how many hoes are we going to give taylor swift's uh version of last christmas so let's have a think here how many hoes should we give taylor swift's version of last christmas (laughs) all right i think maybe is that two and a half hoes it's not it's not a room full of hoes but it's two and a half hoes for taylor swift's version of last christmas i gave you my heart more next week so I've a mini version of Trump or Trombone here. A large revolving statue of Father Christmas dancing in a tutu has drawn the wrath of Italy's uh, right-wing parties and accusations that it will ruin Christmas for innocent children. The statue unveiled in a piazza in Modena shows Santa as he's never been seen before without his traditional red coat or sack of presents and no reindeer in sight. Instead, the white-bearded symbol of Christmas is dressed in a long red leotard. Uh, with a tutu made out of Christmas tree foliage uh, and festive lights around his ample waist. With the arms raised above his head, he's pirouetting. uh, The figure holds aloft a red heart. The statue, which revolves when a coin is inserted in, provoked a furious reaction from the Forza Italia, the party run by the former Prime Minister, Silvia Berlusconi. I wonder if he's at one of his uh, hugger-hugger parties or whatever you call it. Um, In a statue and in the statute demanding the removal of the statue, this famous work violates and destroys the reality we've all lived including our children and grandchildren what poppycock this is enrico emmy the local party leader went further more than just a rainbow icon for ideological adults it's half man half woman a long way from being a magical christmas figure this really is a load of bullshine isn't it Given its hatred for our tradition, it looks like the left has finally found its symbol for Christmas, Santa Claus in tights. Now, let me just ask you this question. What is wrong with Santa in tights? I mean, I see men jogging all the time wearing tights. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of tooty fruity tutu at Christmas time. I think that's absolutely fine. And I like to see my Santa in tights, because if you're in Lapland and you haven't got tights, you could get frostbite on the crown jewels. And I tell you something: you don't want that. You don't want. You don't want the. Uh, you don't want the old boy turning into an icicle, I and mean, it just snap off. It's been absolutely superb having you here today on the podcast. Lovely to have you on a Saturday morning without any water. I'm getting a little bit parched. My voice is going. I'm trying to save my water. I really should have run that bath earlier so I had water for the entire day. I think I'm just going to be have to be drinking Bailey's Hot Chocolate for the rest of the day. That's the only way forward, I believe. Uh, but yes, yeah, so you can listen to the podcast across all the platforms. As I mentioned, there's a Butler Musical Emporium edition with all the different music in, where we had some Pogues, Fairytale in New York, Christmas Rapping, we had some Jamiroquai, we had some Pilot Snoop Dogg, we had uh, some Yaz, some Pretenders, many, many, many different arts uh, artists scattered in there during the course of the show. Uh, But if you just like the audio version, Apple Music, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, all of the different platforms, Breaker, uh, Slacker, or is that my work ethic? I can never remember. Um, But there we go. That's basically what you have on the podcast uh, for this week. And, uh, Listen to it. Listen again. You can listen to it many times you want. Listen to your whole favorites again and again. There's one about Rudy Giuliani last year that's farting. uh, That people seem to listen to even today. I don't know why. Anyway, people like the idea of Rudy Giuliani farting Christmas songs. Never mind. Anyway, I will be back again. Uh, I will be back again on Friday. And we'll have another weekend podcast as well next week. Uh, But uh, we do have... Uh, a poem to end with. December days. Ruthless winter's rude career comes to close the parting year. Fleecy flakes of snow descend, burial winds the reek and rend. Reflect, O oh man, and well remember that dull old age is dark December, for soon the year of life is gone when hoary hairs like snow come on. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I will be back away. I'm taking a few days off, but uh, you will get your podcast next Friday. Uh, Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. But I hope you have a lovely week. I think we maybe get a little bit of snow, so that'll help the festive feelings, definitely. Have a good week. Until next time, cheerio for now.